Hello and welcome to this podcast with Northwest Michigan's Energy Guys. I'm Doug Luciani, president of the Traverse City Area Chamber of Commerce, and today I'm joined by Doug DeYoung from Consumers Energy, Tony Anderson from Cherryland Electric Cooperative, and Tim Ahrens from Traverse City Light and Power. Morning, guys. Morning. Good morning. We uh, gather uh, every now and then to talk about what's going on in the energy world, and today we uh, are talking about mostly uh, our reaction to a recent study that was published by public sector consultants that gave a pretty dire outlook for Michigan's energy future uh, in the next few years as a result of public policy. It calls for the closing of a number of coal-powered electric plants uh, in and around Michigan that will lead to the projected loss of 1.3 gigawatts of electricity production uh, Doug, Consumers Energy and DTE commissioned this study. Uh, what is 1.3 gigawatts of energy? What, how much energy is that? Well, it's, it provides power to about a million customers in the state of Michigan. And what it is is it, it is a capacity shortfall. So energy is still going to be there for the customers, but we're, we're seeing capacity drop. And what capacity is is that above daily use um, need when it's super cold or when it's super hot. And so that's where we're going to see some of those shortfalls come. So can you make the uh, correlation then? It, if that's a million customers and there's 10 million people in Michigan, is that 10% of Michigan's energy? Yeah, I, I think so. You can pretty much, it's that simple. Yeah, so that's, and if I'm hearing you right, that means uh, we probably won't see a big impact from that on a just a, a regular basis. But during peak times, it could affect it could affect us in what way? Well, it, if we don't have the capacity to meet the peak demands, we'd have to shut stuff off. Is the worst case scenario, you know. Or, or if you're buying off the market um, during those peak times, the market price is going to be very, very high. Yeah, I think that's the bigger thing is where MISO is going to, uh, the Midwest supplier is going to provide power in those shortfalls, you're going to see increase in prices, which is eventually going to, you're going to see increase at, at the local level with your bill eventually. Uh, Tim, you know, we've been talking to some of the industrial users uh, that are Traverse City Light and Power customers and trying to uh, uh, convey a sense of urgency on this issue of reliability and, and one, where the energy is going to come from during peak times and two, how much is it going to cost? And while there seems to be a general agreement that reliability is important and cost is important, we're not uh, getting a sense of real urgency from the users. What are you seeing at Light and Power? Oh, I, I, I don't think that they're coming out in mass um, as a sense of urgency, but I've certainly heard from in some industrial customers where over the last four years, uh, the rates at Traverse City Light and Power have increased exponentially. And, and uh, you know, that is of great concern to some of our larger industrial customers. Yeah, there, there are some, but you would think there'd be a, a groundswell of concern about this. And you see reports about this, uh, in the, uh, for instance, in the January issue of Traverse City Business News, Ron Jolly, who's a local 
uh, on-air personality for WTCM Radio has a column uh, dedicated to this whole thing, Michigan's <coughs> energy future, get real or lights out. And he he's, makes the point in his column that um, this is a critical issue. And, and, and yet, in talking with policymakers and talking with users and others, uh, it, it seems like um, it, at the federal level especially, but at the state level as well, there's still this sort of plodding along, looking for uh, alternatives to coal, but not really incenting the providers like yourselves to um, to do much with what what is a crisis. Is it really a crisis, Tony Anderson? I believe it's a, a little bit of a crisis. You know, the the reason the legislators aren't worried about it is term limits. As soon as we get them educated on the energy issue, they're gone again, and we have to start all over. So they're focused on such a short time frame. The the utilities are focused on 5, 10, 20-year outlooks. But uh, local businessman, he, he's got to get through this year. Local legislator, he's got to get to the next election. So they're not seeing the crisis, you know, because we've always dealt with it, and I think they're looking for us to deal with it again, and we're trying to do that. I think when you look at the big issue eh, is really the what's coming offline <clears throat> is probably the biggest part of this. So, for instance, uh, Consumers Energy, is uh, we're decommissioning seven, our classic seven coal plants, some of our smaller plants. They're over 50 years old. It's not cost effective to bring them up to today's EPA standards. So we need to bring those offline. And as we bring those offline, we're taking 950 megawatts out of the system. Well, that's happening across the Midwest. The Midwest is very dependent on coal. They have been for 50-plus years. So between now and 2023, we're going to see 14 gigawatts of power come offline from these coal facilities. And what we're not seeing is what's going to come online. Wait a minute. Let's say that again. Between now and when are we going to see 14 gigawatts come offline? Between now and 2023, we're going to see about 14 gigawatts come offline in the Midwest area. So and, uh, what's Consumers Energy's plan for replacing that? Well, right now we've, we've currently bought an existing gas plant, which will help our customers, but it doesn't add to the Midwest portfolio because it was being used already. We will... Uh, get that plan up and running um, for us by, I think, April is when it's going to transfer over to us. So that will be our replacement in the short term. The long term, you know, we've got a potential opportunity to build another gas plant down the road. We have a, a permit for that. We're going to ask for a renewal of that permit to see if we need to add that gas plant down the line. But right now, gas is where we're looking towards uh, that we have also, you know, as you know, beefed up our renewables. Um, we've met our ten percent a year early, so we've got two of our wind farms up and running at full capacity. So, with that in mind, those are some of the replacements, but it's not the full baseload replacement that we're going to need to see off the Midwest. And what we need is a Michigan energy policy. I expect the governor will talk about energy in the state of the state. In, here in January, and really focus on between now and May an energy policy for Michigan. And that's going to be important 
for moving forward on reliability, sustainability, and where we're going to be in terms of renewable and baseload replacements as we move forward. And a concern for Traverse City Light and Power and small municipal utilities like us is that uh, that capacity that is going to be built is going to be dedicated to the companies that are building it, and there won't be any excess capacity for the small utilities to buy into. That leaves us completely exposed to the market. And the market is supply and demand. And if demand's going up and supply's going down, that price is going to be a lot higher. And that's why we, too, are our Wolverine Power Supply Cooperative, where we get our power, is building 400 megawatts of gas to take care of our capacity needs so we're not as dependent on the market. I think the Upper Peninsula is a prime example of what's going on uh, throughout the Midwest or what potentially could happen throughout the Midwest. You have a power plant that uh, a company wanted to shut down. Um, they were told, We Energy out of Wisconsin was told they cannot shut it down because they need that power in the grid. To maintain that, the rates for UP customers were going to have to skyrocket because you had a very large customer leave and go to a choice situation. That choice situation in the short term is going to save that customer a lot of money, but in the long term, with all the other power coming offline, that long term, again, what Tony pointed out, the, the business customers looking, where am I going to be tomorrow? the next year, and then maybe three or four years out, we're looking 10, 15, 20 years out. So we're looking to 2023, knowing we're going to have this shortfall. The supply and demand is going to be way out of whack at that shortfall level. Well, now I'm hearing two different things, and that uh, that confuses me, because I'm hearing coal plants are coming offline because they have to, and, and there's nothing to replace them. And then I'm hearing that that somebody has said that, uh, that the... Presque Isle plant in Marquette, which is a coal plant, can't shut down because they have to have the power. Right. MISO ruled and FERC ruled that that plant had to, that plant is what is considered within a cost pro, uh, cost effective upgrade to bring it up to today's EPA standards. So MISO and FERC are saying you can't shut that down. We need that power in the grid. You have to go get permission to shut these plants down. And you have to look at the cost. How much is it going to cost the customer to maintain these plants over time versus shutting them down and replacing them with something else? So you, they're saying, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing you guys saying, though, that, that uh, EPA regulations are forcing the closing of coal plants. But I'm also hearing that you have to get permission to close a, coal, a power plant and that, and that it, uh, a, 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 you, the pl you can bring a plant up to EPA standards. So is it a matter of cl you have to close coal plants or you have to bring them up to, to a certain level of It's going to be up to the grid operator yeah. and, you know, looking at the entire system as to whether, um, you know, you're going to be able to provide the energy that's needed. <clears throat> I mean, obviously you can't close plants and, and actually not have energy um, that's needed. So I think the decision would be um, it may be inefficient to upgrade a, an older plant to, to the current uh, standards, but it may be forced on the customers um, to pay for those upgrades. 
Yeah, it's a plant by plant situation. The plant up in Marquette, it's capable of being retrofitted and used for uh, 20 more years. Wolverine looked at that and they were going to purchase part of that plant, retrofit it, and, and run it for that 20 year period. We couldn't get enough customers to come with us in the UP to make that viable, so that deal fell through. So I think you have to look at it on a plant by plant basis. Another plant might be 50 years old and it, it's not a good business decision to retrofit it. So on a plant by plant basis, uh, some will go, some could stay. But for me, it always comes down to math. If you're going to take one point whatever gigawatts off the grid, what is going to replace it? And I believe we'll get at some point where there's going to be some plants that we won't be able to take offline because we won't have the replacement in, in play. And so for the people who may get excited about all the coal plants shutting down, you have to be very cautious that we could. the UP is the prime example. We could get into a situation where we cannot shut them down. And we may have to burn a dirtier plant for a time if uh, fracking gets banned or we can't build gas plants or, or whatever. Because at the end of the day, the, the simplistic look is it's math. We, we need so many gigawatt hours to keep the lights on and we have to be clean or cleaner than we ever have been. So I'm not convinced everything's going to get shut off because that simple math is going to come into play at some point like it did in the UP. So if you put it in the terms of, of building a new power plant, let's see. So Wolverine's looking at building a new power plant, a natural gas power plant near Gaylord, right? Correct, yep. 400 megawatts, two units, 200 megawatts each. 400 megawatts would serve about how many customers? Uh, Wolverine's uh, system is 250,000 meters uh, between five, six co-ops, and uh, they peak at around 600 megawatts, I believe, right now. So, you know, that's, what, half a gigawatt? Or, yeah. So how much, how much energy are, is there to be captured still through efficiency? Uh, is if and, and where I'm really going with this, and I'd like that answer on the efficiency, but but ultimately where I want to go is where's the next dollar best spent? Is it on efficiency? Is it on building new capacity? Is it, is it on improving uh, the transmission infrastructure so that if there's an excess of available power from uh, places where solar or wind do work to be able to get that power to places like Michigan, where so. How much, how much can we still gain by, through efficiencies, in your opinions? And then uh, where, if you were a policymaker, particularly at the federal level, where, where would you spend your next dollar? Well, I, uh, for Traverse City Light and Power, I still think that there's a lot of savings that can be had on efficiencies. Primarily, um, biggest bang for your buck is going to be the commercial and industrial side. The issue, however, is um, as far as residential, we've we've you know, pretty much um, uh, taking care of a lot of the low-hanging fruit. And I think uh, those efficiencies are going to have to come through building codes and, and building energy-efficient homes going forward. That's a futuristic efficiency to me. Um, but on the commercial side, uh, you, got, you have to have willing partners. They have the cash um, and the, to invest in their, in their businesses. Um, uh, because I, I just don't see it as financially feasible for utilities to fund 100% of these efficiency improvements for companies. And that that's the challenge. Hmm. Tony? 
Yeah, the the best buck or what a state legislator could do is give us more incentive to insulate and make the envelope on buildings and homes better. You know, I, I think there's some energy that could be saved there. It would be gas and propane and that type of energy. We have uh, captured all the low-hanging fruit on the residential side. We're 95% residential. Our EO numbers, our energy conservation numbers last year, we took 450 homes off our grid. We still grew by a percent and a half. So we're always going to have to do efficiency, uh, but we're still growing. So we're going to need more energy in the future. So for me, it's more of an all-of-the-above strategy. i got to work on my conservation, uh, but I also have to have uh, new capacity, and that's why we're doing the gas, and we're looking at wind. We're, we're about to sign a couple new wind contracts that'll give us a couple hundred megawatts of wind but when you do wind you have to have gas or something to back it up because the wind always doesn't blow so i i think it's there isn't one silver bullet that's going to solve it but if i was in the state house i'd be looking at how can i affect the envelope of the home because that's that's the market that i'm not incentivized to do a lot with the envelope of the home you know, we work with Freedom Builders, and we just did a, a home recently where we wrapped the entire mobile home, insulated it, changed out the windows. Um, probably going to save them $2,000 a year in propane costs. Our EO uh, credit for that was the equivalent of two CFL bulbs. EO is? The energy conservation credit. The credit I got from the state was the equivalent of two light bulbs. And instead of doing the right thing, which we did, I should have, uh, on a business level, just handed them a couple bulbs and said, here, screw these in. This is what I'm incentivized to do. That's where the legislature can make the difference. Incentivize me to fix that envelope. And is that a, is that a federal or a state issue? Well, in, in Michigan, it's a state issue because we have that energy conservation mandate that, that came in in, what, 2008? Yeah. Doug, where would uh, consumers want to spend its next dollar? Well, I think it's a balanced portfolio. It's a balanced approach. There definitely needs to, there is still energy efficiency opportunities. And so there are still opportunities for us to, like, as Tim mentioned, the large uh, commercial user and the industrial user, there's still opportunities for savings there for those customers. Um, you know, we're going to need flexible policies because we're going to have to replace capacity. So, you know, we're going to have to look at investment in capacity in Michigan down the road here. And so with that, you need flexible state policy. You also need an understanding at the state level that um, the balanced approach and looking at all of the portfolios and making sure that we have enough in each of the areas uh, to, to fill that capacity shortfall. So um, so we were all, I'm assuming that all of us were alive and old enough to realize what was going on during the oil, the, the, the oil crisis in the 70s and the gas lines for cars. And, and, it, and, and people had been saying for years before that that, that cars were uh, gas guzzlers and that we needed to build more efficient cars. And the Japanese were making these cars that were getting... 18 miles per gallon or 20 miles per gallon, and ours were getting eight in the United States. <clears throat> and everybody saw a crisis coming, but nothing happened until 
uh, we ran out of gasoline or the prices went way up and then people started buying cars that got more uh, fuel efficient, uh, that, that met a more fuel efficient standard. Um, for energy, it seems like energy is still relatively inexpensive. And when you look at a trend line for energy and what it's cost over the years, and you look at what we pay in the United States for energy compared to other countries, um, looking at it from a, a standpoint of getting people to do the right thing, financial incentives don't seem to necessarily be working. Uh, is a crisis really going to be the answer? Well, the the problem, as I see it, is if they're, you know, it takes so long to um, build a plant that you can't wait for the crisis in this situation. It would be just, you know, it would. It's it's not like, uh, you know, auto automakers can maybe turn a car out in a year, but you can't turn a power plant out in a year. So it takes a lot of thoughtful planning going forward, and uh, you know. I, I hear all the time about, well, it only costs, you know, four or five dollars more a month um, if we, you know, become this percent renewable and, and everybody can handle that. And I I think that sometimes we forget, and, and I know especially on Traverse City Light and Power System, there are a lot of people on, on our utility system that are on a fixed income um, or low income. And um, for all of us in this room, five dollars a month, I'm sure, is not going to be an issue. Um, but to make that presumption that all customers can afford five and ten dollar a month increases in their utility bills, I, I think is not um, really looking at the big picture. Well, Tony, that new plant for Wolverine is only going to take a year or two to get built, isn't it? Yeah, and natural gas doesn't take long to permit and get built. It'll be up and running, I think, in early 2017 at the latest. Uh, but to do that, we we can't ban fracking in Michigan. We got to keep natural gas low. You, you you mentioned the '70s. We have coal today because in in the '70s they told us not to build natural gas because we were going to run out of it. So don't build natural gas. You can't go there. You know, President Carter put a sweater on and don't build natural gas. So we build all kinds of coal plants, and now we have tons of natural gas, and now we're going to build natural gas. So. A little bit off the subject of the question, but our federal policy kind of drives what we do. And uh, right now it's telling us to build gas and we're building a lot of gas. But if that supply goes down, the, the price is going to go up and then we're going to affect them by more than $5 a month. But back to your question about the crisis, it's always been the utility's job to avoid the crisis. It's my job to keep your rates affordable. And we've done a good job of that. And we're going to continue to do that. We're not going to let it get to the point where we have brownouts and we have that crisis. We're going to uh, put stuff in play like the natural gas we're doing and the wind we're doing. And uh, we've bought a few coal plants uh, out of state as well to to help us over the next 10 years. So, yeah. Well, we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in investments each year. At consumers. At consumers to really, this, as Tony mentioned, to avoid these situations and we'll continue to do that i mean we've been in business for over 127 years so we're we've seen the ups and downs and the peaks and the valleys and and understand you know where things are going to change i i think michigan right now is prime for new energy policy we saw the 2008 energy law it's coming to conclusion here in 2015 
The governor is going to really make energy a big focus point of the first half of this year. So he's going to be asking the legislature to really enact some new th- some new policies on energy this year. So that's a first step for Michigan is to get a reliable and you know really flexible policy here in the state that will help all of us make the decisions that we need to make for investment and, and moving forward. Um, I agree with Tony. We avoid the crisis all the time. We look for the best way to provide power at a fair and reasonable price to our customers. And we look for the opportunities to invest in the right future expansions of that energy as we move forward. You know, these um, these discussions sound a lot like uh, health care discussions sounded 20 years ago and 10 years ago. And Hospitals and healthcare providers were saying the same thing about being able to provide affordable uh, health care. And um, in the end, it led to the Affordable Care Act and inching towards universal health care and a nationalized health care system in our country. We're not there yet, but we're, we've started down that path. Uh, can you see or has there been any rhetoric uh, towards that type of a nationalizing this important uh, asset in the United States of uh, energy? To compare energy to health care, I'm, I'm not willing to do that. We, the average homeowner at Ontario Land Electric spends $70 a month at $2.50 a day. That's less than a cup of coffee if you go into Starbucks. I can't walk into the emergency room and spend $2,000 so that I don't, I don't get your comparison there. I'm, well, if we're bringing, if we're, if we're looking at this situation where we're, we're, we're uh, looking at less available energy and less ability to meet capacity and prices going up dramatically and the impacts of, of new uh, alternative energies and renewable energies coming online and the impact of the consumer, you know, it was just 10 years ago that, that most small businesses offered full health care benefits to their employees. It wasn't that expensive. And then it, uh, the cost... Well, the the, fed, the federal government obviously has an interest and some control over the reliability of the grid as a whole, um, and can impose certain um, uh, rules, restrictions, or projects be done. Um, but they have not um, they have not taken any control over the pricing um, to the customers, and um, you know I, I don't see that happening. Um, whereas on the healthcare side, um, that's where I see that going. Is where you know um, there will be the you know the the pricing that insurance companies can charge customers for their healthcare. So I I understand where you're going with it, but I don't think that you know what customers pay is going to actually be governed by the national government. Yeah. Yeah. If the if the state and the federal government just gets out of the way of the supply. Don't hurt the supply. You know, I, I'm a little concerned about exporting stuff overseas. That affects our supply. I'm concerned about bans on fracking. That if affects the supply. Leave the supply alone so we can have uh, decent prices. It's it's <coughs> always goes back to simple economics 101, supply and demand. Don't mess with my supply, and we'll work on the demand through various programs. And See, we're already regulated at our company level at the state. So when we need a rate increase or a rate case 
or an investment case, we have to go to the state, the Michigan Public Service Commission, and request those uh, changes. And so we, we've been through that process already. I think when you look at energy, you have to remember there's physics involved. And there's only so much you can do, so much you can transmit, and so much you can save uh, because of the physics we have. The, the biggest shortfall we have in the energy world is storage. We don't have a way to store large amounts of energy and and use it when we need it and then bring it back out when we need it. And I think that's, you know, whoever solves that storage problem is going to, you know, solve some of the bigger problems down the road. But those are, you know, physics is very well involved in the way energy is transmitted, how far you can transmit it, and, and where it can come from to get to where you need it. Well, you know, we're almost out of time, and so I want to just kind of get a quick reaction from each of the three of you uh, to to really the central question here. The, the, the study from public sector consultants, the bronze column in the business news, the discussion about Michigan's policy and other things, there are two questions that uh, that we as a business organization really want to know. One is, do we have reliable energy to fuel Michigan's economic uh, growth for the next, for the foreseeable future? And two, are we pri- are we going to price ourselves out of being competitive? And Doug, I'll start with you at consumers. We do have the power we need for the the short term future, and we're working on the investments we need for the long term. That will really come out of the state policy discussion this year, is where is that going to go and what direction are we going to focus that on to bring that forward. <coughs> um, prices, you know, we're, we're regulated on our price <coughs> right now, and so as long as capacity can be replaced, prices will remain stable. As capacity shortfalls continue, or if we see what we're seeing in the 10-year projection, prices will have to go up because it's a simple supply and demand focus. We will see rate increases if that if that supply is not replaced. Tony? We're looking at a, a good 10-year period, probably one of our better 10-year periods in, in our history coming up. We, we've laid in some contracts. We're building the gas plant. Uh, we're doing more uh, renewables than we ever have. So for our next 10 years, our prices are going to be relatively stable. What we're working for and worried about is, again, don't mess with my gas supply. If I'm putting more of my eggs in the gas basket, i got to have that supply because i got to keep that price down. And then what's beyond 10 years? How are the policies we put in place today going to affect us beyond 10 years? Because that's when our crunch is going to come in. We're either going to have to build more or we're going to have to go deeper in the market because we're going to continue to grow. The cities are full. People are spreading out to our area. We're growing every year. And so we're working for that next 10 years because we, we feel like this, the coming 10, we're, we're going to be pretty good. It's not going to be easy, and we're going to have these messages of need, and we have the EPA rules we have to watch. But beyond 10 years, what's going to happen to our price then? And so, Tim, we'll uh, give you the last word, and, and, you know, with that beyond 10 years, and, and you said before, you can't just <clears throat> overnight address uh, demand. 
takes a long time. So what, your thoughts in terms of uh, energy reliability for your customers and then cost? Well, uh, just in the last year, Traverse City Light and Power made the decision to go back to the Michigan Public Power Agency, which is, for all intents and purposes, a consortium of municipal utilities that join together. Um, so that you can get better pricing on, on energy that you purchase or plants that you buy into. So I think as far as that's concerned, I think it's really going to help this utility um, to keep prices as stable as possible, and we're minimizing our exposure to the market as much as possible. Um, a concern that I have is about 30% of our power is with a consumer's energy and a DT energy power plant, which are older plants, and if the... Uh, uh, CO2 emissions um, rules go into effect, either the upgrades to those plants are going to be incredibly expensive or, um, or those plants are taken offline exposing the utility of the market. And I think those would be something that we would then have to go back to our, our agency and, and need help with uh, finding replacement for those um, if possible. Uh, if they do the upgrades, we have to just pass it on to our customers. On the um, Industrial and commercial side, um, not only are prices for, for power going to go up, of course, um, it, it really hits, uh, if you look at residential customers, it hits them on two sides. Um, it's going to go up for the residential customers. It's also going to go up for the commercial and industrial. They have no choice but to build that into the pricing of their product, which in the end increases the prices of all the products that people buy. So they're not only paying more for the residential when they go to buy everything, they're also paying more for everything on that end. So, um, you know, certainly it's a concern, and I think that the regulators um, at the federal and the state level really need to work with the utilities and and um, listen to the feedback and and um, just work cooperatively. I'm creating a very structured, well-planned um, future for energy. Good. Well, thank you very much for your time, and thank you for uh, spending time on this podcast. Can't wait for our next one. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.